0: I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. Welcome in to Football and Other F-Words. My name is Zach Lines. You can follow me on Twitter at f it's a solo show today that may mean that some of you guys are going to be turning this off, but I would hesitate to do that if I were you because we're going to talk about a lot of the information that can be found in Warren Sharp's Sharp Football Statistics book. Basically, this is going to be an objective overview of what the Titans are, the offenses and was and what to expect. You know, I'll throw in how I interpret the data, but it's up to you to interpret the data yourself. As always, we are brought to you by what? Uh, what is it? Broadway Sports Media and a Football Show 440 Sports. Not really brought to you by, but they're kind of a collaboration that you guys should be going to listen to, especially a football show. 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on Mondays on Thursdays. We're heading into the heart of the Titans uh, in football season, so it's going to be a lot of Titans content that you're not going to want to miss. And um, just to let you know, I was going to have a guest on today, but they got COVID, and so I didn't even bother asking them. But, you know, hopefully maybe next week we can get them on. And we are in the process of doing stuff for a permanent co-host and uh, so I don't want you to worry that, first off, we're not going anywhere. We're, we're still going to be here. Football and other efforts will still be here. But I also don't want you to have to worry that it's just going to be me constantly talking to you. So you don't—we're you, we're working on it. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a work in progress. So I want to talk a little bit about some stats that I kind of put together, and you can see them on Twitter. I put together the 2021 top wide receiver tight end stats for the Titans. So wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and tight end one, tight end two. The reason I put this together is, was sparked from a conversation in one of the group chats I was in, where why should I, why should anyone be positive or have a positive outlook about this 2022 Titans offense? And the reason I personally do is because the bar was set so incredibly low for this year. I, I, What you saw last year on the offense was obviously the worst case scenario. 91 different players starting. No one was healthy. No chemistry was built in the offseason. Julio Jones was a bust of a trade. Did not live up to his expectations. A.J. Brown was woefully inconsistent. And you just look at it all from a perspective. Derrick Henry going down. The offensive line wasn't protecting. It couldn't have gotten much worse than last year. And this team still ranked 15th in points per game. That's insane to think about. That this team still ranked 14th in points per, or 15th in points per game. And that's because they were still a top 10 red zone scoring, and efficient offense, and that helped. Was it pretty? No. Could it have been way better, and could it have been preventable with better game planning and better offensive coordinating? Yes, and we'll get into that later in this episode. But I specifically just want to talk about the pass catchers for a moment. That is horrendous production from A.J. Brown. Nick Westbrook-Akine is your second best wide receiver with 476 yards and four touchdowns. And Julio Jones, who was your third wide receiver, who only gave you one touchdown. And I'm not going to really get into the Julio Jones' Tampa Bay thing. It means nothing. He's the fourth best wide receiver. He is ring chasing good for him. Then you look at the tight ends. I don't think you've ever, in my mind, I can't think of a worse tight end room the Titans have ever had, where they've gotten a combined 501 yards and five touchdowns. That is half of a Delaney Walker season in 2015. And that's when I go into, and I was like, I think it was uh, Adam Xander Mercury on Twitter brought up the 2015 offense, you know, cause pretty horrendous. So went to the 2015 offense. And while the wide receivers, the one was horrible is DGB with 549 yards of four touchdowns. He's only one touchdown shy of AJ Brown. And then you look at 411 and two touchdowns for Harry Douglas and 408 yards and three touchdowns from Kendall Wright. That's pretty comparable to what Nick westbrook akine and Julio Jones did. But the big difference was that Anthony Fasano had more yards than the other two guys in uh, Anthony Ferguson and Jeff Swain. But Delaney Walker blew it out of the park with 1,088 yards and six touchdowns. Now, obviously, it was a necessity because the wide receiver sucked and you don't have a lot of time to throw behind that offensive line. But they those five combined, DGB, Harry Douglas, Kendall Wright, Delaney Walker, Anthony Fasano, all outperformed as a group, A.J. Brown, Nick westbrook Julio Jones, Anthony Ferguson, and Jeff Swain. As a group is the important part. On Mondays, a football show, which you can go find anywhere that you get your podcast. Braden and I have been harping on this for a while. It's not about replacing A.J. Brown in a one-to-one situation. It's unfair to Traylon Burks for you guys to sit there behind your keyboards and say, well, he can't replace A.J. Brown. He fucking sucks. He's fat. He's shitty. He's a bust. Titans are gaslighting him. It's not his job to replace A.J. Brown. And John Robinson went into that in uh, the press conference on Tuesday. He talked about that. It is Traylon Burks' job to come in and be the best version of Traylon Burks he can be. Now, whether that is going to be completely duplicating what A.J. Brown does, surpassing A.J. Brown, whatever. Right now, that's not... Fair to him for him to be compared in that way. His job is to come in there and run block and and you know catch passes and find the end zone, get into the end zone after he catches a pass. I mean that's his job. He's got to build chemistry, and he's got all off season to do that left. He's got training camp to do that with. For for me, I think it's and I said this the night he got drafted that poor Traylon Burks's career will constantly be compared to AJ Brown and it's un it's unfair because again this is I like to call it a wide receiver by committee i gave you the top 5 pass catchers and they and what they produced in 2021 and it was it wasn't anything special right i mean we're talking about a team that basically got 2,280 yards and 15 touchdowns out of five people. That's not very good. We know that the wide receivers in 2021 were horrendous at getting separation. They were not only the last place team in the NFL at gaining separation, the worst team, they were worst by a wide margin, enough that you can noticeably see the New York Giants, who were 31st, ahead of them. So what were we expecting from Ryan Tannehill when you look at Now, listen, all this stuff is aggregated after the fact, right? You know, when you're watching a game, it's really easy to blame the quarterback, the play calling, because that's mainly what you see on the TV unless you watch all 22 or you have access to someone that watches all 22, their content. This is essentially you're looking at it saying, well, Ryan Tannehill stinks. Because you see the quarterback, you see the quarterback make the throw, you very rarely do you see the plays develop down the field. And they still ranked 15th in points per game. I'm not saying that the Titans' offense in 2022, with the addition of Tim Kelly and the addition of other pieces, will be some great top three offense, but it's much like your expectations for the defense heading into 2020 for the Titans. We all said all offseason, that defense, and even in the playoffs of 2020, after the 2020 season, we were talking about, man, if only this defense was not dead last. If only it was, I don't know, 21st or 24th in the NFL, that would make have made such a huge difference for the Titans in their seeding and everything. And then look what happens. The defense jumps up to... To basically ninth best NFL defense in terms of efficiency, according to Warren Sharp. And they go 12 and 5 and get the number one seed. They then, that defense then goes on to get nine sacks of Joe Burrow. We know the story. We know how that ends. So, really, what does this offense need to do? What should your expectations for the offense be? Well, it should really just be just not the worst if they just get up close to league average, if they improve on every category from last year, separation, efficiency, play action, usage of pre-snap motion, um, lower interceptions, lower sacks, it's not that hard, and most of you believe that that's going to happen, then they're still going to be a force to contend with in the NFL. I, I, I think people forget that they beat Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes last year. I understand that that playoff game has left a horrible taste in your mouth. Can't go back and change it, and I'm with you. I hate that playoff game, and it's time for that this team, it's not just Ryan Tannehill for me. This team has to prove it that they can do it in the big games and the playoffs at home. Derrick Henry has now been shut down the last three playoff games. Ryan Tannehill has made errors the last three playoff games. The defense uh, in the previous two games made some errors. Well, really just the Chiefs game made a lot of errors. The play calling in the Ravens game, the Chiefs game, and the Bengals game were all predictable and atrocious. And that includes Arthur Smith, remind you. It's time for this team to prove that it can do it in the playoffs. But specifically, it's going to ride on Ryan Tannehill because he is the quarterback. And in the NFL playoffs, more than likely, there is going to be a big game that relies on the quarterback because everybody's going to be keen on Derrick Henry. So, what can Traylon Burks do to help mitigate the loss of A.J. Brown? What can these pass catchers do to help mitigate the loss of A.J. Brown? Specifically, All of these, or generally, all these pass catchers just need to be better than their counterparts in last year. That's such a low bar, like I've already said, and like I put on Twitter, which you can follow me on Twitter, at FWordSpot. But they still have a massive void to fill. The immediate technical response is Traylon Burks. And I don't think asking him, I think asking him to perform on the same level as A.J. Brown is definitely a tall task. but. Burks does fit the Tennessee offense perfectly. In the specific draft class, Burks ran first in yards per route run, third in yards per team pass attempt, fourth in the share of team receptions, third in the share of yardage, and first in receiving touchdowns. In this draft class, those are where he ranks. He is a top Five wide receiver in all these categories in fact he is only ranked out of the third in one and that's fourth in the share of team receptions you know he looks healthy and the titans don't have any reason to lie they don't necessarily lie when they come out and say stuff they just choose their words carefully if they wanted to say that burks wasn't healthy they wouldn't have told diana Rossini. Or if they wanted to forego the answers, they would say, um, you know, something about, you know, we're still working on that. Or we're, we're in the midst of uh, he's getting in camp shape or we'll see where he's at. Instead, they're saying that he looks great and he handled himself. That's good stuff right there. You know, he does, you know, he needs to get a little bit refined, but so did A.J. Brown. You know, 57.2% of his yardage in 2021 came after the catch, third in the class. And he was second in yards after the catch per reception with 9.6. That, that screams A.J. Brown. That screams what this offense loves to do. And, they, and John Robinson talked about it on Tuesday, yards after the catch. And look, 67.7% of his yards were from the slot. A.J. Brown ran a lot from the slot as well. He, eviscerates, he eviscerated press coverage, which is huge for a translation from a, a college prospect wide receiver into the NFL. He averaged 6.4 yards per route run the past two seasons in press coverage. That's massive. That's good stuff that all translates to the NFL. Route trees can be improved upon. Conditioning can be improved upon. Again, I'm not asking Traylon Burks to be A.J. Brown. I'm asking Traylon Burks to be the best version of Traylon Burks and what we saw in college. Whether he was, you know, 240 pounds, morbidly obese in college doing it, or whether he got down to 225 at some point. If he starts slow, I wouldn't be surprised. He's a rookie. Rookies tend to start slow. It may take a game or two. But if anybody in any coaching staff can get him and prevent him from having a slow start, it is this coaching staff. Nothing changed about Traylon Burks being one of the top wide receivers in this draft class since he got drafted. None of that changed. The conditioning issues that Albert Breer talked about that showed up at Pro Days, that showed up at the Combine, that didn't change his stock or his view among the NFL. Maybe that shifted him from maybe the considered the second or third best wide receiver prospect to maybe the fourth or fifth best, sure. But did it suddenly make it to where he was an undraftable fucking loser? No. It's time for us to start looking at we we got to look at things from the lens of the 2022 outlook. The all the Basically, your starting lineup is a l- very, very different in a lot of the key spots that saw this team and caused this team to be inefficient last year. And I get it. There's a lack of sex appeal, so you're not going to get it at the national media. We've, we've, we have told you that. You got to go to a football show. You got to you know go to Music City Audible. You have to listen to um, me every week because I am the best. You have to do that because you're not going to get what you want and what you need from the national media. I don't know how many times we have to harp on that. So let's get into a couple of stats that I, I kind of want to talk about, and we'll get into some Tannehill-specific uh, stats first because you got to talk about Ryan Tannehill first to be able to understand where I kind of feel that the Titans dropped the ball in helping him out. He helped them out by staying healthy all year. He helped them out by taking a beating. He helped them out by having the six best on-target percentage in the NFL, despite not having any wide receivers open. Think about that. The worst average separation by the NFL wide receivers in the league, and he still had the six best on-target percentage in the NFL. That means he's, he's still hyper accurate even though the throws are way more difficult than they should be just marinate on that for a second six best on target percentage in the NFL and he had his wide receivers are the have the least separation they're just covered up constantly he was the, he's the ninth best quarterback on EPA per attempt on first down in the first three quarters now, I'll be honest, he was, he was in the low 20s in the fourth quarter. When passing situations were needed or dire, and he needed to be efficient, it was tough because they were expecting the pass in the fourth quarter. And the, like I said, the wide receivers kind of suck, and the offense is very predictable. But he's the ninth best quarterback on EPA, expected points added, Per attempt on first down the first three quarters. Remember that. Ninth best. Because we're going to reference that later when we're talking about Todd Downing. And look. Why he wasn't even maybe top 10 or even top 5 in as many categories as he was in 2020. He still posted more often than not. And we're talking way more often than not. Positive expected points added. Stats in a lot of the categories. And. And he was still accurate on roughly 75% of his deep throws. With no one. Now, maybe those three games that A.J. Brown got over 130 yards really helps, you know, with the, this category. That, that, could, that could definitely be true. But you got to remember, out of the 14 games A.J. Brown played in the regular season, he only had four over 90. The rest were way lower. And he got targets. Don't forget, A.J. Brown had all those drops. And this is not to bash A.J. Brown or say A.J. Brown wasn't great. I am just saying that he's people forget how inconsistent he was and how the majority of his production came in three games. That's just facts. That's not opinion. That's, that's facts. So, as I said... This go, the reason I wanted to start with that and talk about the wide receivers, I also want to talk about now the offensive coordinator. I think we all know that Todd Downing was no Arthur Smith. Todd Downing didn't have the weapons to work with like Arthur Smith. To me, this goes into the game plan and how perplexing it was. It's not that Todd Downing went drastically different from Arthur Smith's game plan. It's that that's the slight deviations from, that he made, the slight changes in play calling, were enough to hinder the Titans' offense from being productive. And that's because, and I said this on the show on Monday, the way the Titans play football, or prefer to play football, running the ball, play action passing, and good, great defense leaves a small margin of error which is unfair for any quarterback to have to come into because they do not have current... Well, as we know, we don't know what Tim Kelly will bring, but they don't have a way of letting the passing game be independent of the run game. In fact, Todd Downing has gone on to say that he can't use play action as much as he likes because uh, people don't fear the running backs, even though... While it may not be as effective, it's still effective with a lesser running back. You can look across the league and see that you specifically in San Francisco. I mean, we're talking about Elijah Mitchell, Raheem Mostert, you know, guys that nobody really knows about and play action still works. Anyway, I digress. As I mentioned above, Hill was the ninth best quarterback when it came to passing on first down in the first three quarters. In fact, on first down total, he was 7.2 yards per attempt in a 93.9 passer rating above the league average. However, the team only passed 39% of the time on first down. Think about that. You have a top 10 quarterback on first downs in the league getting 7.2 yards per attempt, has a 93.9 passer rating, And you're only utilizing him on 39% of the time on first down. And we wonder why the opening drives suck. Well, I don't think we wonder. I think we know that it's because it's run, run, pass, right? And even though the Titans do find success on the ground, they ran 61% of the time on first down. And they only had success on 44% of those runs. And those rushes gained 4.2 yards per carry. That's not good. And a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, it'd be different if, you know, Derrick Henry was healthy and, you know, that's probably got a lot to do with it. So it's, you know, no Derrick Henry and, you know, we, we, we just didn't have what we needed. Okay, well, Derrick Henry was, was good. Let, let's not be, uh, I'm not here to bash Derrick Henry, but we all know that Derrick Henry's efficiency comes in the fourth quarter when everybody's tired, and it, or it comes in the end of the year in December, you know, November, December, when things get cold and defenses get tired. I've lost my train of thought here. Oh, here we go. So, you would think that, oh, well, no Henry. Well, weeks one through eight with Henry, 53% runs. So, 53% on early downs in those quarters, we ran it. This, this includes first and second down. Weeks nine plus without Henry, 52% run. So, basically, Todd Downing's like, Well, we're still just going to do what we would do with Henry. We're not going to change. We're not going to adjust. So, in week eight, like I said, Downing lost Derrick Henry. And he continued running basically inefficiently the rest of the season. And listen, Derrick Henry wasn't that efficient before, you know, he left. And that's because it's just not basically where he rolls, right? I mean, it's just, just how he is. Weeks one through eight with Henry, the Titans were the 25th in expected points added per rush attempt. They were 20th in yards per carry with 4.3. And they were 31% in success. That was 31st in the NFL, rushing the ball. Weeks nine plus without Henry, Okay, so that was with Henry, without Henry. They were 25th in expected points added per attempt. They were 24th in yards per carry with 4.3, the same. So they dropped, even though they stayed the same. And they had a 32% success rate, which ended in them being 28th weeks through 9+. So you have to ask yourself, why in the world would you keep running when you have... Ryan Tannehill, the ninth-best quarterback on early, on first down when passing the ball. That's the question on everybody's mind is why. Now, listen, this is where an analytics guy, I feel, can come in and really help help the team. Someone should be—I mean, listen, listen, they don't even have to hire an analytics guy. They just have to literally read this book. This book is like $30 read this book. I read it every year. And it's the same stuff most of the time, like, you know, bashing Mike Zimmer or, you know, talking about this or that. It's it's all here. You know, there's a section about the Colts and what Frank Reich had to do in 20, he wrote about it in 2020, what Frank Reich had to do to get the best out of Carson Wentz. Now, I'm not saying that Frank Reich read this book and did it and did it because of the book. But he did the things that Warren Sharp said he needed to do. And guess what? It worked. And I go back and I look at Derrick Henry again. And I I just, I, I know in my heart that Derrick Henry is a great running back, obviously. But you have to work independently and you have to pass more and be less predictable. And that's the whole point of all this. You know, I talked about play action usage and pre-snap motion about how that benefits Ryan Tannehill. And I talked about how Todd Downing really didn't change too much from the Arthur Smith game plan, but just enough to hurt Ryan Tannehill and this offense. You know, play action usage. He was the third most in the NFL in 2021, but they were first in 2020. Not that big of a deal. And that's that's okay. I I get that his philosophy and his viewpoint of play action when Derrick Henry went down wasn't the smartest. But that's his viewpoint, and it that didn't really hurt the NFL too much. Would you like to be first? Yes, you have Derrick Henry. You have a run game. While it's inefficient, teams in the moment don't really know that, right? They're not thinking... Oh, well, they were pretty inefficient last year. I don't think I need to worry about play action. Play action helps. It helps you gain, your wide receivers gain separation. Could they have gone from 32nd to maybe 28th if they had used more play action? Quite possibly. Could that have helped? Yes. Pre-snap motion usage is where it really just makes you want to bang your head up against the wall. They were 12th. In pre-snap motion usage in 2021 after being fourth in 2020. Now, that may not seem like a big difference with me saying it out loud, but that is the an eight-rank drop. And if you look like if you look at the stats at why Tannehill has been successful under Smith, it was mainly because of the pre-snap motion. And in this year. No team in the NFL saw as large a jump in offensive success from pre-snap motion as much as the Tennessee Titans. The Titans went from 5.7 yards per attempt without pre-snap motion and jumped up to 7.8 with it. Why not use that more? That is insane to know or could have known if you paid attention that Ryan Tannehill benefits from play action and pre-snap motion more than any NFL quarterback probably in the league and it right before your eyes in the season if you had someone doing their job as analytics would be able to tell you you need to utilize more pre-snap motion you're getting basically 2.2 or 2.1 more yards per attempt when you use it. The thing about the Tennessee Titans is they got into a lot of third down, you know, situations. A lot of it is because the lack of inefficiency due to these running plays. Here, here's where it kind of falls into all of this. And this talks about Warren Sharp put out a video. uh, I don't know why he's doing this at a beach. Enjoy your beach vacation. Um, He put out a video and he talked about how the Titans saw the most third downs in the NFL, or he was talking about the Titans being third down a lot. And the lack of inefficiency in the run game on early downs, and for whatever reason, only passing 39% of the time, It forced the Titans into like a million third downs. The Titans ran the ball a ton and weren't efficient. I mean, I just keep harping on that because I think it's extremely important. Only 16% of Tennessee's early down runs resulted in a first down. That is 29th in the NFL. So when they ran, they were running into first downs. That's crazy. Crazy. When they did pass, they were passing shorter than they did in 2020. Their early down uh, average depth of the target decreased from 8.3 yards in 2020, which was 6th in the NFL, down to 7.3 yards in 2021, 15th in the NFL. Screen games, a lot of factored into that. And I talked about that when Todd Downing got hired, that they would be doing more passes to the running backs out of the backfield. That has a lot to do with it. 36% of early down tips were thrown beyond the sticks in 2020, which ranked first in the NFL. So that means in 2020 with Under Art Smith, 36% of the early down attempts from Ryan Tannehill went beyond the sticks. That dropped to 30 in 2021. They faced a ton of third downs, and the third downs they faced... Did not have as many yards to go because they were doing run, run, pass. And their runs were, while ineffective, were gaining enough yardage to put them in um, good enough third down situations. In 2020, just 17.8% of Titans' offensive plays were third downs, which ranked fifth fewest in the NFL. So 2020, fifth fewest, 17.8%. That jumped from the fifth fewest to the sixth most in 2021. That is insane. So they faced the sixth most, they had the sixth most most offensive plays that were third downs. They ran the sixth most third down offensive plays. In terms of raw numbers, what does that mean? Titans third downs faced in the first three quarters by year. 129 in 2020, that's the third fewest in the NFL. Compared to 170 third downs faced in 2021, second most in the NFL. The second byproduct on third downs is the Titans averaged only 6.1 yards to go, which ranked third in the NFL. That's technically, remember, 6.1 yards to go when you're at third down is technically, I guess, good in this case. Um, It doesn't sound like it because you're talking about two yards and two yards, but I guess a lot of people may face more third and longs because they got sacked or something like that and because they didn't have to travel far, they converted third downs at 47.1% rate, which was the third best in the NFL. So that's clearly correlated to having the third best yards to go. So on one hand, Downing can like go out and say, "Well, you know, we were we were great on third down. We converted a bunch of them." But he's technically ignoring the fact that he they saw the most in the NFL. So at some point What's got to give? And I think what's got to give is basically, the Tennessee Titans have to be, have to pass more, and I know that sounds crazy because everybody hates Ryan Tannehill, but in the end, that's probably what got to happen. You know, the reality was the early down offense was so bad and inefficient, and consistently so that they faced way more third downs than what they needed to convert. They, they should be bypassing third downs, not hoping for third downs. And when you're getting third downs at such a high clip, you are, while you're keeping their defense on the field, it's taken way too long for you to score. And I would rather my offense focus on, you know, skipping third downs than to always be forced in them. Downing could have been better in 21. He could also have been worse. He wasn't able to be... You know, he could have been worse if he wasn't using play action at at third most. And he was successful inside the red zone. Despite not having the best targets for the red zone. I mean, you're talking about Jeff Swain with three touchdowns. You know, adjusted games lost by injuries. They were the sixth healthiest team in 2020. They were the 10th healthiest team in 2021. Now, that's by basically adjusted games lost. Because they were winning 12 games. So, just think what they could have done if everybody had stayed healthy. I'm not saying they could have gone 17-0, but it's not really out of the question. I think at this point, while the division is still terrible, it is improving. But I think at this point, there's a lot of reasons for optimism if everybody stays healthy, if Traylon Burks can be the best rookie version of Traylon Burks. In 2022. If the pass catchers as a whole. Can be better than the pass catchers last year. If the defense stays the same. Or improves slightly. If Ryan Tannehill is protected. And if. Todd Downing. Can and Tim Kelly. Can improve. Pre-snap motion usage. Can improve. Getting out of third down situations. And avoiding them. And can improve early down passing, and explosive play rate. I forgot to even get into explosive play rate, which was dropped tremendously from being in the top five to bottom five in one season. Again, injuries, no Derrick Henry, and lack of separation leads into that explosive play. They just have to improve the offense and make it marginally better. Instead of being a top five or bottom five Offense, they don't need to be a top five offense. They just need to be a top 15 offense in most of the metrics. And really, they probably could be a little bit less if they're maybe a, you know, maybe they're 20th in pass attempts and 21st in passing yards and 24th in passing touchdowns or something. As long as they are an efficient group, that's all that matters. I think there are reasons to be optimistic. Now, it's all projections, right? I think that uh, positive projections for this offense and negative projections of this offense, no matter how you feel, whether you're negative Nancy or positive Paul, they're both grounded in the same reality that's based on projections. It's based on everybody staying healthy. It's based on Tim Kelly making an impact. It's based on Ryan Tannehill just getting marginally better it's based on a lot of things that are projections. But that's all we have to go on for now. But if you're looking at everything I presented to you and didn't roll your eyes out of the back of your head, because I know some people are going to you know, end up being in my mentions or being in my DMs saying, well, you just defended Tannehill the whole time. Look, Tannehill still has to perform in big moments. All the stats, all these numbers, all this data... All this play calling from Todd Downing, ultimately, it's up to Ryan Tannehill to execute in the playoffs. And I've said it from the get-go. Ever since that ended, I have to see it to believe it. But it's so much harder to replace a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill than you think. And I think, and technically what could be viewed as a contract year for Ryan Tannehill with on paper a better pass catching group than what we saw on the field for most of 2021 that he can be better he can have a better regular season does that translate to success in the playoffs not necessarily am i asking you to buy in and and move on from the 2021 disaster? No. Be who you want to be. If you want to wake up and be miserable and think about Ryan Tannehill in a negative light every morning, look, you do that. I'm just here to tell you that 2022 has a chance to be totally different than what you saw in 2021, and you should at least open your mind to that fact. Now, Todd Downing does not change some of his play calling tendencies with pre-snap motion, with passing on early downs, if Tim Kelly cannot get Todd Downing to do that, then we may have issues. But at least, hopefully, your pass catchers are healthy. And I think that's one of the bigger detriments for the regular season offense as a whole. Not just for Ryan Tannehill. But that offense as a whole lacks so much chemistry. And I haven't even mentioned that I'm going to right now. Nate Davis is going to be getting some all-pro votes this year. I feel it. He is looking great and in shape, and if he has a healthy offseason and continues to have one, you're talking about getting all-pro Nate Davis back, and that's going to help. There's a lot of reason for optimism. If you want to stay pessimistic, feel free, but I am at least going to look at it objectively and look at, okay, well, they lost A.J. Brown. That sucks. A.J. Brown was gonna, is, is a top 32 wide receiver in the NFL. You know, we all thought that he was going to be top 10 or top 5, and he has the talent to be there. He hasn't done himself any favors by going to the Philadelphia Eagles. He hasn't done himself any favors by continually dropping balls. He hasn't done himself any favors by being inconsistent and staying injured. The talent is there, no doubt. And he was the probably the most talented wide receiver the Tennessee Titans have seen so far. But it's so far. The Tennessee Titans season for 2022 is not written in stone. It's not a disaster because they lost A.J. Brown. You know why? Because this team. And this coaching staff believes in what they do and how they do it. And I think that goes a long way in preventing someone like A.J. Brown having a massive negative effect on the team. Believe in the system because they do. That has been a football and other efforts solo show stat show. I went a lot longer than what I initially set out or expected it to be. So I'm sorry for that. Hopefully you stayed the whole time. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at EffortsPod. Remember, a football show with Braden Gall. It's a live show, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube. Go to the 440 Sports YouTube page. 1 p.m. Central Standard Time Mondays and Thursdays. Turn on notifications because we may do surprise shows here and there with the offseason looming when special topics and when the regular season happens. You may need to have those on so you can hear from me and Braden, The smartest football show in America. Basically, if you can't catch us live, go to the podcast. We got podcasts. Listen to the. Make sure you're telling all your friends about this podcast. If Listen, let me do a little shameless self-promotion. If you have a house that needs to be sold in the Nashville area, in Middle Tennessee, contact me. Slide into my DMs. If you're looking to relocate and you're one of the millions of listeners that do not live in Tennessee, and you're looking to relocate to Middle Tennessee, hop in my DMs. Let me help you. I got the Keller Williams team backing me. Make sure to be staying tuned to broadwaysportsmedia.com. We got big things on the horizon. Just got had a meeting the last week. A lot of content coming your way. We're improving some stuff. We're tweaking some stuff. It's going to be big. There's big things on the horizon for a football and other words for a football show. It's just only going to get better, people. You are going to get the best. And smartest content around. You're not going to have to worry about, well, what does trailing Burks have to do to earn your tru- earn the fans trust? You're not going to get any of that here. No, no clickbait. We're here for you. No empty calories. This has been a Football of efforts. You follow me on Twitter. My name is Zach Lyons, at Pod. For Football Another F Words. You have just been effed. Broadway sports media production.